Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Heartbreak Hill Podcast. Listen, I am so excited for this preseason that we have been doing, this preseason series that we have been doing for the last few days. And if you're just now joining, we have been leading up to season six, which is going to air and launch on April the 3rd of 2023. We have been celebrating International Women's Month, Women's Month, whatever you want to call it, by coming every day with a story from the Bible about a woman from the Bible. Okay. Now, oftentimes in history, when we talk about the Bible, we talk about the men that were in it and the impactful and powerful things that they did. But I wanted to dedicate this preseason kickoff specifically to the women and their stories in the Bible that we may not hear, or if we hear about them, we only hear bits and pieces. So I would like to go ahead and give those women in the Bible their flowers during this preseason kickoff. Um, if you are new to Heartbreak Hill podcast and you are listening to us on one of the many, many podcast platforms that we are on, please do not forget to leave us a review. And if you're watching us on any of the social media platforms, so we do go live uh, when we record our episodes, there's no editing or anything like that. And those lives take place on YouTube, Instagram. Please do not forget to share and subscribe and also like our videos because this content, I believe, and we would like to believe here at Hot Break Hill Podcast, that this content is helpful. Okay. And so if you're gaining and gleaning something from it, we ask you to just go ahead and share the video so that others may be able to glean from this information as well. Okay. Um, also wanted to let you guys know that we are still currently accepting promotionals and as well as advertisements uh, for the new season. Okay. We are a worldwide podcast. We have a slot in Minneapolis on the Speak Network, which is channel 17 if you have Comcast in the Minneapolis area. But we are we we out here, okay? So if you have products or services, or you want to get on the show as an interview to uh, market your own products and services, go ahead and send us an email. All of our contact information will be in the show description notes for this episode, okay? Now let's go ahead and get to it because we are here for a good time, not a long time. All right. Now over these past few days, we have told some phenomenal stories, okay? We did Sarah, we did Eve. Um, we did hey, uh, Hagar, I believe, was our last uh, person of interest that we did. And so today we're going to kind of, um, not kind of, but dive into a dynamic duo, Rachel and Leah. Okay, Rachel and Leah are two women in the Bible who I believe have by far one of the most interesting stories. And the reason why I say that is because every woman, under the sound of my voice right now, and men you should listen to this too. But every woman under the sound of my voice has both a Leah and a Rachel living inside of her. Okay. I say that everybody has a Rachel inside of you because all of us has something as women that the next woman does not have. Okay. No matter who you are, I don't care your size. I don't care your skin tone. I don't care your nationality. I don't care what you look like. Every woman in this world possesses something unique that the next woman does not have. That's why jealousy and comparing yourself to the next woman really and truly makes absolutely no sense because God has designed us in such a way that we all have something unique, very specific about us that other women don't have in it. He put that in us so that we can be able to fulfill our purpose, okay? And on the other hand, we also all each have a Leah inside of us, okay? There's a part inside of all of us women that yearns 
hear me what I say now, yearns for the love and acceptance of a man, whether that be our husbands, uh, if you're not married, maybe it's your baby father, or maybe it's your boyfriend. It could even be, maybe you're not of a romantic interest, but maybe it's your father. Maybe um, it's your boss at work. However that comes into play, um, all women do kind of have that yearning and inner yearning and, and wanting for a man's love, affection, and attention. And you know how I know that that's true for all women, even if you call, even if you get or homosexual is because of the curse that was put out to all women in the Bible. Okay. So when Eve went on ahead and bit that, that apple, and you can go back to the episode about Eve to get more in depth about this, or you could read your Bible, which I, I prefer you to do. Um, God said that we would always yearn or run after our husbands. We will always desire to have the man possessed completely. So men, if you think that you're going to leave your girl alone because she too controlling and she nagged too much and she get on your nerves, I got news for y'all women. I like that. I, in their own little way. I don't care how bad she is. I don't care how fine she is. Some, somewhere, some way she getting on somebody's nerves because she's talking too much. She's being too controlling. She's being, being too naggy. It's part of our makeup. Okay. And the safer we feel. The, the the less that you'll have that uh, sort of controlling nature about a woman, okay? But the, uh, I don't want to get too off track because I can talk on and on and on about, about how we as women naturally are. But let me go ahead and get into today's content. So today we're talking about Leah specifically, okay? Now, I can't really tell Leah's story without also telling Rachel's story because even in the Bible, the two are like this, right? And just in terms of how they're introduced, how they live, it's one and the same. The, the, the chapter in Genesis that talks about these women, you don't really hear one being mentioned without the other. So I'm going to tell both of their stories today. But when I get to the end with the commentary about what we can learn from this woman, I'll just be referencing Leah. Okay. And just so that we're clear, the commentary that I'm reading today is going to come from Life Magazine. Okay. The segment of the, of this came a few years back. Um, I believe actually in 2000 and up. So all of this time, you guys, I have been saying that this commentary from Life Magazine came from a few years ago, but it looks like it came actually from 2022. So this commentary today that I'm reading, Life Magazine, we're in no way affiliated with Life Magazine. They don't sponsor Heartbreak Hill Podcast in any kind of way. I genuinely bought this standing in line at a supermarket and began reading it and could not put it down. So all of the commentary that I read throughout this series is not going to come from Life Magazine, but most of it is, okay? So let me just go ahead and get into it. So Rachel and Leah, the two sisters in one fraught household. Before we get started, two women is never a good idea. This is going to be the second story that I have told you guys where a guy had more than one wife and it didn't work out good. It never works out. It's not designed to work out. Women are built in such a way that what? We desire to possess and own our husbands for ourselves. So just in case you guys are thinking about it, and I know some of you guys have friends or family members that are in relationships that has more than one woman, it never works. And I can tell you this from a counseling standpoint as well, from interviewing and counseling couples that have, have this kind of setup where there's two women in the household and one man, it never works. Anyway, Rebecca and Leah. So Rebecca and, excuse me, Rachel and Leah, two sisters in one fraught household, okay? Now, 
Rebecca and Isaac's son, Esau, not only loses his inheritance, but he also marries two Hittite women, unions that made life bitter for Isaac and Rebecca. Okay, so Isaac and Rebecca finally have a son, have have children and uh, not finally, but they have twins. And I talked about this when I talked about Rachel last time. I talked about Rachel or Hagar last time. But anyway, uh, Rebecca has uh, a set of twins, Esau, and she has Jacob. Okay, so Esau loses his inheritance because his brother, Jacob, tricks him out of it. But also, in addition to losing his inheritance, he marries two women that make life really hard for his parents. Okay, so Rebecca trying to take matters into her own hands like she did when it came to Esau selling his birthright. His mother worries that if her other son, Jacob, whom she favorites, also makes an unsuitable marriage, things will only get worse for her and Isaac. So Isaac goes on ahead and sends Jacob to his uncle Laban's house in another part of the of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia to find a suitable wife. Okay, When Jacob gets there, he comes up on his cousin Rachel. Okay, he is immediately spitten by this woman. Okay, the Bible describes uh, Rachel as being beautiful in her face as well as in her form. Okay, so not only did she have a, a nice face, she had a banging body. Body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. Okay, so he's immediately smitten by her. Okay, so her name means ew, E W E, in some language, I believe it's Latin. But he sees Rachel and he immediately falls for her, okay? Laban, who's her father, does not make the courtship easy for Jacob. He first insists that his nephew work for him for seven years before marriage will be allowed, okay? When the wedding day arrives, unbeknownst to Jacob, Laban actually switches his daughters. So instead of marrying Rachel, Jacob learns after his wedding night that he has instead married her older sister, Leah. Okay. Now Laban informs him that if he wants to, he wants Rachel's hand too, then he needs to work for another seven years, which he does. Okay. The Bible sets up what becomes a bitter co-wives and sister rivalry. Okay. Now Jacob already prefers Rachel. Okay. Now the Bible describes Leah as having weak eyes. Okay. So all in all, she was not a beautiful or attractive woman to look at. Okay, so God helps Leah and allows this woman to bear children. So even though Leah is not the prettiest or the most desirable, she ends up having children first. Okay, Leah then bestows upon her sons names she hopes will touch her husband's heart. Okay, so she starts to name the sons that she has for Jacob. She starts to give them kind of thoughtful, witty names, thinking that, you know, the more children that she has by Jacob, that he will desire her more than he desires Rachel. But children won't make a man desire you or even want you. Somebody say amen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so Leah then bestows upon her sons names that she hopes will touch her husband's heart. Reuben, see a son, Simeon, God heard that I am unloved. Levi, now my husband will love me, and Judah, which means praise. Okay, she has a total of six sons, but these first four, she gives them kind of thoughtful names, thinking that they will invoke her her husband's love for her. Not being able to bear an heir increases Rachel. It makes her mad, who she demands of Jacob, gives me a, ch a child or I will die. So Rachel starts to think that the reason she can't have kids is, is Jacob's fault. 
okay? As Sarah once did, okay? So just like Jacob's grandmother did, Rachel goes on ahead and gives her maid, Bilhah, to Jacob to have a child with. So Rachel can't have kids. She gives her maid to Jacob to have a, a child and they give birth to a son named Dan and then to Naphtali. Not to be outdone, Leah does the own thing. Now Leah goes on ahead and she's already got children, but just to kind of make sure she's a step ahead of her sister, she makes Jacob sleep Jacob sleep with her maid, whose name is Zilpah. And he the maid bears Jacob two children, which are Gad and Asher. Okay, the eldest son, Reuben, um, who Leah has by Jacob, has for Jacob, then finds a much sought after mandrake root, which is thought to have aphrodisiac and fertility properties, which he gives to Leah, who promptly gives birth to sons, Issachar and Zeblun, and a daughter, Dinah. Finally, after Jacob, who already has 11 children, God opens Rachel's womb. She bears Joseph and proclaims that my God has taken away my reproach. So there's something that you should know here really quickly before I continue. The son that they have, Joseph, is the Joseph of many coats and colors that we will later find out. His older brothers throw him into a ditch and he is taken away in slavery. The brothers that do this evil thing to him are Leah's sons. So the six sons that Leah has are the jealous older brothers that go on to throw Joseph into the pit, okay? Joseph is the son of Rachel. So Rachel has a son finally for Jacob. They named that son Joseph. Joseph is the same dude coming up later on in the story of Genesis that ends up to have the coat of many colors. He's spoiled, he's favored by his father, and then they sell him into slavery. Okay, I just want that to really be known because it's going to make sense as I get into my points about what we can learn from Leah. Okay, so finally has a son. So after laboring for years for Laban, Jacob decides to take his family back to Canaan. They pass through the land where Esau lives. Now, remember, Jacob tricked Esau into giving him his birthright. Okay, now because he betrayed Esau, Jacob fears for his and his family's safety, and he sends ahead a generous livestock. Now, to make sure, because he's not sure how Esau is feeling after all of these years, it's been about 14 years since he's seen his brother, he sends kind of um, pawns ahead, and he keeps Rachel and his new son, uh, Joseph, kind of behind and protected. Okay. Rachel goes on ahead to give son to give birth to another son who uh, they call Benjamin. Okay, so later on uh, in the story, we kind of get more when we get into Joseph's story later on in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, we kind of go to figure out who exactly Benjamin is. So anyway, to give you a sum up of these two women, Leah and Rachel, the pretty one and the ugly one, we'll just call it how how the Bible calls it, okay? They both end up having children by Jacob, and they are in constant rivalry with each other. Leah is not who Jacob wanted to be with, but due to circumstances and life, he ends up with Leah. She has six sons for him before uh, Rachel even has any. And they both give maids to Jacob to go ahead and uh, sleep with to have more children. So they 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 come kind of against each other over one man who um, already has made his preference known. So what can we learn? 
We'll do Rachel tomorrow, but for right now, we're doing Leah. What can we learn? The first thing that we can learn from the story of Leah is that jealous, spiteful mothers, envious mothers, raise jealous, envious, spiteful children. Even if you're not teaching your child like verbatim, this is how you be jealous, this is how you be envy, children don't watch what you say. They watch what you do. Okay. So you hear a lot of times about mothers complaining about the type of men that their daughters end up with. You hear a lot about uh, women kind of uh, downing the choices dating wise that that their daughters make. I need every woman under the sound of my voice who's a mother to know that your daughter watched you pick these same kind of men. So before you come down on her, I just want you to remember what you taught her by way of action. You you can't say, but I was married. That, that doesn't work because whether you are married to this man or not, if you went through years and years and years of cheating, abuse and struggle and taking care of a man, whether you were married to that man or not, your children, your daughter especially watched you in doing that. And so likely that's the kind of man she's going to pick. So try not to down your daughters for what they pick. Okay. Instead, be more watchful of what example you are showing and setting for them. Okay. I went off on a tangent. The first thing that we can learn from Leah is that jealous, envious, spiteful women, mothers, raise jealous, envious, spiteful children. I kind of went into it a little bit when I was doing the commentary about how these six children that Leah had, the six brothers or the six men, six sons that she had for Jacob, they go on to be extremely jealous and envious of Rachel's child, which is Joseph, and they get so jealous and envious that they throw him into a pit. Okay, that's what is up to you. A lot of times, uh, we are not taught how what we do and how we think, how it's passed down onto our children. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible is very clear the things that you raise your children around and what they see you do, they become. The only exception of that is Christ. There are generational thought patterns and things that can be broken, but only Christ will do it. There's no amount of crystals or incense or meditations on anything besides Christ in the word, which is the Bible, the Holy Bible. I don't care how many translations that come with it. With that sound kind of doctrine, things can be broken and not to be done outside of of that doctrine. Things can't be broken. I'm just telling you because I've tried other things and this is the only thing that 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 works. Okay. The second thing that we can learn from Leah is that the love that we desire as women, that unconditional favorite kind of love that we desire from our husbands, our baby dads, our boyfriends, uh, it can only be found in God. The first four sons that Leah has, and I didn't get into it here because I really do want you to read this story on your own in the Bible. After each son, Leah says out loud to herself, now my husband will love me. It isn't until she begins to, I believe, the fifth or the fourth son that she says, now I am one with God. So it takes her a while before she realizes that having all of these children is not going to make my husband desire me any more or less than he already does. Okay. So that unconditional acceptance and love that you're looking for, you get it through God. Now, how do you get that, un, that, 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 un, 
adulterated, just pure and genuine love to where it makes you sit up straight. How do you get that kind of love from God? You get it, first of all, by reading his word, by being surrounded by people that are also walking the same walk that you walk. And then also by dedicating your life to him by ways of your gifts and your talents. Now, everybody is not designed to be a preacher or a pastor. And I think that pastors and preachers should stop telling everybody that they do qualify because not everybody is willing to make those sacrifices. But all of us has has a ministry. All of us can perpetuate the word of God simply by our gifts and our talents. And when you do things like that, you get close to God. There's nothing that no one can tell me right now here today in terms of how I look, how I come off my body, my face, my teeth, my lips, my eyes, my nose, my gut, anything about me. Nobody can sabotage or make me feel low self-esteem no matter what they say. Do you know why that is? Because it's certainly not because of me. It's because of my relationship with God. I believe what he says about me. And once you get to that point, men can't come in your life and treat you any kind of way. Family members can't come in your life and do certain things to you. Friends, you'll be selective with who you're friends with. You will choose your friends instead of them choosing you. You'll choose your mate instead of your mate choosing you. Now, I believe that men choose the woman. I I strongly believe that Women, if you want to have an easier marriage, because marriage comes with problems of its own, but if you want to have a steady, let the man choose you. Let him choose you. Okay? So just want to put that out there, that the second thing we can learn from Leah is that that unconditional, unadulterated, pure love that you're looking for is going to come through your relationship with God only. How do you get a relationship with God? By spending time with him, reading his word communing with him daily through other believers. Get you an older woman that's a mentor or somebody in the church that can teach you things, okay? The next thing, how a man treats you is exactly how he feels about you. And by treatment, I mean on a consistent basis. If you break up with a man today, for whatever serious reason it may be, we have the myth and the misconception that if that man reaches out to us or that he keeps tabs with us or in communication with us or that he blows our phone up or shows up at our houses or our jobs, that that means that he's the one that is sent to us by God or that that means that he is for us. And I need you guys to know any abusive relationship I ever had, any man that I ever had that cheated on me, broke my heart in a million places, they all came back in some way, shape, or form. Coming back is not evidence, and it should not be used as criteria that a man is for you and that he's or God-ordained to be your husband. When you go off such weak and shallow criteria, you end up settling. Now, God loves you. And if you love God and God knows if you love him, he will turn that settling into your good. He will turn it so that it works out for your good. But don't go through that. Just know that the sign that a man really wants you and wants to be with you is not him calling you. It's not him showing up after a breakup. It's not him stalking you. Those are good things. Don't get me wrong. But the true evidence will be in how he treats you. It will be on a consistent basis. Does he choose you over all of the other women in his life? Does he use God's word as a way and a blueprint on how to treat you? And if he doesn't know God's word, well, you'll spend your entire marriage 
managing him in accordance to God's word. You will spend your entire marriage as a CO, parole officer, probation officer, trying to get him on some kind of level. You will spend that. And again, God loves you. So he will turn that, that probation officer and that management kind of, of, of disposition you have to develop when you have a man like that. He'll turn it into your good, but it will be a hard life. You will end up looking older than your husband. I'm going to take it there. You'll end up looking much older than your husband. You'll end up uh, b- being a dictator in your home. And if he's really, truly not for you, he'll leave you either, either way. He may stay married to you, but the, the, the heart won't be there. Okay. Then, and that brings me on to my next point. A man cannot like you. Actually, a man cannot stand you. A man could not like you and still sleep with you. Okay, I really, really, really want to make this point known. A man cannot like you. He could have no real, true, good motives and intentions for you and still sleep with you. The Bible is clear from the beginning that Jacob, not only did he not like Leah and how she looked, he didn't like her as a person. She irritated him. Read the story yourself because I really don't have time to go into it in depth, but I really want you to get me on this. He didn't like her at all in any sense of the word, but he still went on to have six kids by her, still married her. He didn't have a choice, but still he could have sold her as a slave if he really wanted to. Those was permitted in those days. He kept her around and then had six sons with her. Didn't like her. Do not use any evidence of a man giving you his time, attention, or sex, or babies as an indicator of criteria that he wants to be with you, that he prefers you in some way. Men have a very high capacity, and this is on, again, I always like to tie my mental health studies back into these things because I need you to know how serious and real that this is. On a psychological level, men have a very high capacity to be uncomfortable. Okay, a man can be with a woman that he really does not like for a very long time, as long as his basic needs are met, like sex and food and like a place to stay. Men can do that. Women can do it, too. But on a psychological, scientific, scientific level, men have a higher capacity to be uncomfortable. Okay, so please, I don't care how many children he has by you. You will know how he feels about you based on how he treats you on a consistent basis. That will tell you everything that you need to know. How he treats you is how he really and truly feels about you. So the the point that I want to make here with this point is that he can have kids by you. He can have sex with you, live with you, and not like you, not want to be with you, settle for you. He settled for Leah. The Bible says he settled for Leah. In so many words, it says that he settled for Leah because he really didn't have a choice. I mean, he had a choice. Let me stop saying that he had a choice because back then you could sell your wives into slavery and things like that. But he, he, he didn't do that. He kept her around. OK, the next thing I want you guys to know, and this may be the last thing. Your day will come where you get the glory that you deserve. Make sure you're in a position to receive it. See, Leah had grew up her entire life as the back burner for Rachel. 
if you have a pretty sibling, if you have a pretty whatever, uh, or maybe not pretty, but maybe you have a sibling or somebody who's, you know, always saying and doing the right things and they're preferred by the public for some reason or the other, okay? I need you to know that that is normal, but you will always have your day where you are glorified. This is why you should not be envious. This is why you should not be spiteful. This is also why you should never share a man knowingly or unknowingly once you know that he got somebody else that he's dealing with you should cut all that this is why because you you will always get the glory that you deserve leah grew up in leah's i mean excuse me leah grew up in rachel's shadow for most of her life yet she was the first to have children now some people will say and i've heard pastors say this too that you know being pretty doesn't mean much. And sometimes, you know, the, the uglier you are, you know, the men will still prefer you. That That's not what this means. Don't take this context to mean that because you can be a, an ugly woman with buck teeth or, with, you know, be overweight and all of these things. And, and a man will still settle for you. That doesn't mean that he preferred you. So we, we're not going to make this about, you know, looks. Because that doesn't mean much at all. I heard a preacher one time say that pretty women have a hard time getting married. That's not true. Okay. If you have the tools and matter of fact, forget all of that. If you put God first, if you seek God first in his kingdom and all you do and marriage is what it is that you desire, you will get it whether you're ugly or whether you're pretty. Okay. Don't let people tell you and put some type of curse on being beautiful that you won't end up with a man. That's not what that means. Okay. What this story is showing us, and the last point that I'm making here is that you will always, no matter if you're ugly or pretty, no matter if you're overweight or not overweight, no matter what you look like, if you spend time in someone's shadow for majority of your life, there will come a day where you get glory and God will be in, in charge of it. Now, there's also another little bonus thing where Leah says, God seen that I am unloved, so he gave me a son. There's this uh, myth in the black community, my community, at the least, just say the least, that, that if you have a son as your first child, it's because God seen that you were unloved. Well, that that comes from this story. You know, your first love, if you have a son, that means that God's seen that you needed love. That comes from the story of Leah and Rachel. I personally believe that whether you have a son or a daughter as your first child, God gives you what you can handle. Okay, so we're not going to get into superstitions, but I want to conclude my teaching on Leah by just saying this. Okay, everything that you want as a woman is already laid out for you. You don't have to scheme. You don't have to plot. You don't have to share. You don't have to tear the next woman down. You don't have to compete. You don't have to do any of those things to get what God already has for you. See, if Laban would have just trusted in God, his daughter would have gotten married. If Leah would have trusted God, she wouldn't have stayed in that situation. And there are options in that in those days. People were saying that you couldn't divorce in those days. Yes, you could. Okay. You do not have to suffer in that type of way. God has something in someone for you. You just have to seek his kingdom. What does seek his kingdom mean? Sacrifice. Do you really trust that God has somebody for you? That is perfect. Not perfect in the sense of the world, but perfect for you. Do you really believe that? Because if you did, you wouldn't give everybody you date your body. Do you really believe that God has somebody special for you 
specifically for you? Because if you did believe that, you wouldn't stay with your baby daddy and say, well, I'm staying with him because I'd rather go through this with my baby daddy than some other man. I heard a woman say that before, and that is the saddest thing that I've ever heard. I'm going to stay in this messed up relationship where a man cheats on me. He takes my money. He beats on me. I'm going to stay in this relationship because I'd rather deal with this man than the next man. Because you you know why that's sad to me? Because you're putting God in a box. What you're saying to God is, is that this is all I have. Either deal with this man and his bull or deal with the next man and they bull. And that's not what God's word says. God's word says that you are a masterpiece. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And I have men that are after my heart that will treat you beautifully. That will love you like how I love the church. And he was willing to die for the church. There are men out here that God has set and ordained for you to be with like that. So you don't have to choose stay in this messed up relationship or go off to another man and be in another messed up relationship. No. You have a husband that continuously cheats on you, has babies or whatever the case may be, but he's cheating. And like you say, I would rather stay with my husband than go out and find another husband. That's sad. That's sad. And it's borderline blasphemy because what you're saying is that God is not capable of doing something about your dating. Trust God with your dating life. Trust him with your sex life. Trust him in those areas. And I promise you with everything that's in me as my name is, is, is what it is. This is something that God can do for you and he can change, but you just have to have faith in him enough. Can you really not date for a while? Can you be celibate for a while? Can you do that? Because if you're not going to put work behind the faith, then you might as well get into a polygamous relationship. You might as well go ahead and sign up, go down to P Valley or something like that and sign up for 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 foolishness in, in, in that way. You might as well because you're wasting your time and everybody else's if you think that uh, you're going to be able to get that type of man without going through God to get it. You're wasting your time. You got to go through God to get certain things. And the man that's for you, you got to go through God to get it. Men, if you're listening. The woman that is for you, you got to go through God to get her. I'm sorry. I wish there was another way. Any other way is going to be settling. I love you, family. Make sure you come back now, okay? Heartbreak Hill Podcast. We're breaking hearts and blowing minds one conversation at a time. We believe in training you for the marathon of life. I really have to get better at saying those taglines, okay? See you next time, family. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heartbreak Hill Podcast. Our mission here is to use multimedia channels to break generational curses in our thought process. Our motto here is breaking hearts, blowing minds, one conversation at a time. Please note that our entire production is brought forth by listeners and viewers just like you. Thank you. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our website at heartbreakhillpodcast.com.